asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're discussing crashes, corrections, and your reaction. That's right, and from the title of this episode, you may have gathered that we are going to talk about the stock market. There's been a lot of news lately, there's been a lot of movement in the market recently, and so we're going to dedicate an entire episode to investing specifically. Yeah, and just kind of when things are haywire, like how do we react? And um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are kind of wondering, well, yeah, when the stock market is tanking, like what should I be doing? Or how should I even be thinking about investing? And so we got a lot to cover today. That's right, man. But first, I wanted to share with you, uh, I wanted to share with all of our listeners as well, just a quick uh, curb alert score that I uh, picked up the other, uh, literally yesterday. So this happened yesterday. Okay, you're always finding weird stuff, so I'm curious. And uh, so, I mean, here's the thing. Literally, I'm never on Facebook, except for if I'm looking to sell an item. Kate's rarely on there as well, but I guess she has some sort of alerts set up. So she knows when there is something that's going to be free, that is what we're looking for. This happened yesterday. So uh, one of our daughters, ever since she kind of graduated, moved up from like the, the toddler bed. She's just been sleeping on a mattress on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and we, you know, a few months ago, we even asked her we're like, hey, you know, do you want like a real a real bed? And she was like, no, I like it on the floor she kind of just like rolls out of the bed and like plays with the toys, rolls back into bed. <laughs> um, but honestly, lately it's kind of been a problem because she just has a lot of stuff just kind of scattered all around her bed, all on her bed as well. 
And so we've been keeping an eye out for a new bed. Uh, one came up on Facebook. It was a free, you know, side of the road deal that somebody was giving away. And so I went over there, picked it up. Specifically, it had drawers underneath the bed, as oh, well nice. as like a headboard with some shelves built into it as well. And so that's all great, right? I'm sure you're probably down with that. Here's where it gets a little bit hairy. <laughs> There's also a mattress that came with it. Uh-huh. And so I wasn't planning to walk away with that as well, but I threw it in the van and brought it home. I want to know from you, do you feel that it is frugal or cheap to pick up a free mattress on the side of the road? So I've done the same thing. <laughs> I have. And I literally okay. actually just gave away a mattress oh, to no uh, an old mattress because I upgraded finally from used mattresses for my kids to like a new mattress for the first time in a long time. Or you finally gave away ever for them, I think. You finally gave away old bed bug mattress. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were still in good condition. Okay. <laughs> uh, but and yes, just gave it away to sweet neighbors who were, who were very thankful. But um, yeah, no, I am not a against old mattresses and I know some people would be um, but I distinctly remember getting a used Ikea bed with the mattress Mm -hmm. for my daughter you know I don't know two years ago and (laughs) there's a recurring pattern here it seems like other people aren't willing to do this but it's something that that you and I (laughs) are totally willing to do in fact I was with you when we saw that bed on the side of the road we're getting ready to go to a future islands that's right yeah yeah. Uh (laughs) and we hadn't gotten far from your house pulled over through all of the boards the bed all of it on top of were we in my car, like the old station wagon with, with like the rack? Yeah. We threw it on top of the car and like reversed it back to your house <laughs> <laughs> and dumped it, took it inside before we yeah, hit the so, road. I mean, really, like everybody's got to draw their own line when it comes to frugal and cheap, right? Okay. And so, so I think some people are going to say, I would, I These would never dudes go are disgusting. used mattress, you know, like mattresses are something that you spend, you know, eight, eight hours a night on, like, you know, a third of your life is essentially spent on that mattress. More if you're a kid. More Perce- if you're a percentage kid. Percentage-wise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I get it. But at the same time... Um, I think you're still sleeping on a used mattress. You and Kate are, right? Totally. A hand-me-down. We finally upgraded to a Costco mattress, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. And it's been lovely, but I will say our hand-me-down used mattress was totally fine also. Do, yeah. Well, so, that's the thing. I mean- I, I'm not, I wouldn't, I think it would be cheap if I was not willing to do it to myself, but I did it to my kids. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Like, we want to be able to make some of these upgrades, but in, like in our case, like you and Emily, we're like, you know what? We're grown up enough. We're, we're big kids now. We're going to yeah. we're gonna buy a new mattress, and we bought one of the online foam mattresses that shows up. You puncture the bag, and it, you know, inflates or whatever. We did not like that mattress, and so we tried it for a few weeks until finally I said, babe, we're going to pull down the mattress that we shoved up into the attic. Uh, <laughs> and I'm so glad that we did, because I wasn't totally sure if... Uh, if we're going to keep that foam mattress, I was like, you know, I don't really, I'm not completely convinced because it's a lot firmer. Obviously, it's not contoured to my body like this one, uh, like the old one is since we've been sleeping on it for so long. And <laughs> yeah. I guess whoever's body was on Your it body's indentation <laughs> is baked into that mattress now. Uh, anyway, well, I'm glad you feel the same way still. I didn't know if you had you know, moved on in your ways, but obviously, like we looked at the mattress, there weren't any gross stains on it. It hadn't rained or anything like that. And, yeah. and it was a neighbor as well. It's not like... I picked it up off the side of the interstate or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah, after we'd gotten run over a couple times. Right, that might be a different story for sure. Yeah, you, you definitely wanted to, to make sure that it's still supportive and that it's not completely disgusting or something like that. But yeah, I'm okay with uh, used mattresses. And um, and yeah, it, not everyone has to follow suit, but in our book, it is frugal. Glad All you're right. down with it. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's mention the beer that we're having on today's episode. This one is called A Force for Good. It's an Imperial Brown Ale by Creature Comforts and Sierra Nevada. Donated to us by listener Nathan. So, Nathan, thanks. And That's we'll, right. Uh, we'll give our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. But uh, on to the topic at hand, Matt. This one, we are Let's talking about kick it off. the stock market crashes, corrections, and how we're supposed to react in kind of turbulent times. And yeah, I was, as I was thinking about this episode, it made me think about that time. Um, you remember this, a few years back when I got 
hit by a car when I was on my bike. I do remember that. It's uh, <laughs> kind of frightening. I hadn't actually really thought about it. We can yet. laugh about it now. But like <laughs> at the time, I remember uh, Emily in particular. I mean, I was upset. She was not I was laughing. like, oh, no. But she was definitely a little worried about you. Yes, yes, for sure. But one yeah. of my good friends recently relayed that he actually got hit on his bike with his son on the back. Fortunately, I just dropped my kids off at school, mm-hmm. and, and my kids were not on the bike when I got hit. But I, I also and you got, dropped my kid off as well, right? Because exactly. that's back when we were doing the bike carpool, and luckily both of our kids were off of your bike. Exactly. Yeah, I would have been pissed. And so, <laughs> <laughs> not my fault. But uh, <laughs> but here's basically he, he, you know, my friend, he didn't get hit terribly hard, but I, I got I got smacked a little bit, and um, really just had like some shoulder damage for a couple of months. But I'm 100 percent okay now, and yeah. no long lasting damage. But what it made me think is is that like the lesson you take away from an incident like that, like what is it? Um, is it that I should never ride my bike again because there's a chance or, well, now there, there's a certainty that I did get hit, but there's a chance it could happen again? No. Is mostly what I took away was that, like helmets are great and bike safety is important and that accidents happen sometimes. That's right. And so it's just that actually getting into that accident made me, uh, I, I had that firsthand experience now, exactly. right? Exactly. And yep. so, yeah, th- this recent bout of stock market volatility, it might have some of our listeners socking away more money for their future, but I think it's been unnerving for others. And I think it's important for, for a them. lot of folks. If, yeah. if they're, the, if they're uh, especially younger and they haven't experienced some of these bouts of market volatility, they've kind of seen the stock market just kind of going up. It's been on a tear. Um, it's important for us to hopefully give them some reassurance, give them some guidance in the wake of kind of what's been happening, um, at least, you know, in, in, since the beginning of January this year. That's right. Yeah. So we're going to give our thoughts on how to react when the market is experiencing this extra turbulence. Uh, because, yeah, you know, the same can be true when it comes to investing in the stock market. Like we know that occasionally there are going to be corrections. But until we actually experience those downturns ourselves firsthand, just just like you did by getting hit <laughs> with a car firsthand, <laughs> like we're not totally sure how we're going to react until we're faced with those situations. Uh, and so just like when it comes to biking, we know that there's a chance we could get knocked off our bikes uh, or run off the road by a driver. But it's a completely different thing to go through an ordeal like that ourselves. Just our emotions, our feelings, they are a really complex side of our humanity. And we never quite know when fear is going to rear its ugly head, causing us to potentially doing something that we wouldn't normally consider. Oftentimes, when we're not in those situations, we know the right things that we should be doing. But again, when we're thrust into those situations, uh, when the cortisol levels spike, when we feel stressed uh, and our emotions run rampant, that's when we can make those poor decisions. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's the there's the philosophy, the old school philosophy of getting right back on the horse after it knocks you off. Right. And I actually felt really similarly about getting on back on a bike really quickly after my accident. I was like, the longer I wait, the longer I let it linger in my brain, the more fear is going to build up. And I think the same is true for all, for all of us really is that we have to, when we experience something you know, difficult, potentially even traumatic, it's usually best to get right back on the horse so mm-hmm. that we can mentally um, get accustomed to the reality that, that you know, bike accidents don't happen every day. And so, yeah, well, how do we get past this? Well, part of it at least is we would say looking towards the past. You know, just like one bike accident doesn't determine how I think about the role that my bike plays in my life. I've had many hundreds of great bike rides since then, uh, neither does the last month of data, right? Just the most recent sample size, right? Because it's it's too small of a sample size to make decisions based on. And this is a, a cognitive psychology term, and it's called recency bias. 
basically when we're overly focused on what has just happened as opposed to looking at longer term historical facts reality on the ground for mm -hmm. decades we have to take in more data and we have to look at what else is true that's a crucial element to not letting headlines and just incredibly recent market moves literally what happened in january right sent yep. us into a panic taking in the fuller picture not just this shortened time frame is really key it's really crucial to helping us make better decisions yeah that's right you can't just look at that truncated timeline and when it comes to investing oftentimes what this looks like is momentum right we see the market on a tear it's climbing and we think it's never going to stop and so you continue to invest because you expect it to continue to go up or on the opposite side of the coin as well if you see the market tanking you think okay, well, I'm definitely not going to invest now because the market's only going to continue to drop. And so we might be hesitant to get started investing. But once we are doing something, that momentum can cause us to continue to make decisions that may not be the best. And this also can look like investing uh, with our hearts instead of investing with our heads, right? When we let our emotions control our decisions, that's when we're bound to make more mistakes compared to when we use knowledge and data. Uh, so let's get specific here. Let's talk about some of the data. Let's look at what history has to teach us. Because the short term, it couldn't be more different than the long term when we're talking about the stock market. Downward moves of 5 or 10% actually happen almost every year in the stock market. And seriously, a market that's down 5% from its high that happens in 95% of all years. Like almost always. <laughs> literally, yeah, it literally almost always. Uh, and a 10% drop, that, that actually happens 63% of the time. And so this is at least heartening. Downturns like what we have recently experienced actually occur pretty regularly. We shouldn't be afraid of those. Yeah, I think that is a really important thing to recognize is, well, okay, is this an aberration? Is this some, something that's not normal that I'm experiencing? If so, I feel like I'm at greater risk. But when we know that this is a normal thing that happens regularly, almost every year, it can be really helpful from a mental standpoint. And Matt, I liken it to kind of, uh, maybe let's say you're going in to get a shot or you're taking your kids in to get a shot. And you give them the pep talk ahead of time that, hey, this shot's gonna hurt. So when they go in knowing that this shot is gonna hurt, it's hopefully it's supposed to help them to freak out less, right? Like sure. give them kind of like, here, here's, here's the scenario. Here's how it's going to happen. Here's where you're going to get the shot in your left arm right here. And like, it's going to be painful for just a minute and then it's going to be over. You're preparing them for this scenario. And if you just like sat them down and uh, you didn't prepare them and you just jabbed a needle in their arm though, there's a, there's a whole lot more likelihood of like an <laughs> insane freak out. Right. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be tears, even though you've kind of um, you've told your kids exactly what's going to happen yeah, in this scenario it's ahead still of time. hurt yeah it, it is and so uh, but that warning and and knowing the context for for getting that shot is is going to is going to be helpful and it's going to prevent potentially even worse damage <laughs> of of a kid freaking out by getting a shot in their arm uh, oh. without knowing what's coming i don't even want to think about that like if you were to jerk your arm away like when you saw the ne needle like getting ready to yeah, I don't, yeah. Want to, I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to freak people out. Right, yeah, there could be some bad okay. side effects happening. I, I guess the, the one thing is, is if that if you were there and you could force your kid, right, if they're freaking out and you could force them. But here's the thing. We are all adults. We have control over our own holdings and our own portfolios. There is nobody there necessarily to hold you down and keep you from, <laughs> from clicking that sell button. Right, yeah. Right. But I think that yeah, knowing that stock market drama is normal right it's as normal, it normal as yeah. for it as it being painful when you get a shot but quickly painful and so yeah as, as we're looking at this historical data right as we as we know the truth going in to to get that shot it's going to help us better absorb the shot well i think it's going to 
better be able to help us absorb something like what happened in January, where we saw exactly. the stock market experience a whole lot of volatility, um, and we saw you know a lot of people saw their their overall stock holdings drop by something like ten percent, maybe more, uh, depending on how heavily they were invested in, let's say. Um, tech companies, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, that was them getting a shot. Yes. Like it was painful and it does happen from time to time. But having that knowledge and knowing that this is for your ultimate good uh, is what you need to remind yourself of. Just like when we see these corrections, we know that ultimately this, you know, this is going to turn around. Yeah, these corrections don't last forever, right? And so, mm-hmm. so some some of, sometimes we do have a prolonged bear market. We might have multiple years in a row where the stock market is actually not um, gaining ground, where where you've actually lost money in your investments for multiple years on end. But most of the time, much of the time, we see these corrections being actually fairly quick. I mean, take 2020, for instance. We see that we saw that drop in March. And how quickly did it rebound? That was a, a V-shaped <laughs> recovery. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was almost instantaneous. And so, I, I, yeah, but looking to that history and seeing what's happened over the past decades, I think, can, can help you realize when you zoom out and look at the bigger picture, we can expect the stock market to continue to go up, even though there are setbacks on the way. That's right. Yeah. And so we share this because past is prologue, right? These historical markers and, and data that we can glean from the past, they inform what we do today. Knowing the past, it can help you to understand the present and it helps us to make better choices uh, you know, while we're here in the here now. But simultaneously, you know, it is important to take that with a grain of salt because uh, who knows what the actual future is going to hold. Uh, this is why on any prospectus that you see or, or any investment, they always say that past performance is not indicative of future results. Uh, because there's no promise, there's no guarantee that your investments will continue to grow, at least at the rate that you have seen them grow in the past. But we are able to make informed decisions with the information that we have. And so we're actually going to talk more about making these informed decisions in the here and now. And we're going to get to that right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000 plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money 
I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. All right, now that we have some factual information about the past, now that we kind of see that these corrections are regular, they happen almost every year, and that a 10% drop in the stock market, like what happened in January, that's not, that's not abnormal. And in fact, that is more normal than not. Now that we have seen kind of some of what happens in the past, I think that can help us better assess what's happening in the present. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we believe that a big part of making wise decisions is just being informed. It's hard to make a smart decision if you don't have much information on your side, right? That's where... Uh, you, you can get lucky, uh, but that is not a solid model or basis for continuing to make smart decisions in the future. Right. It makes me think about a recent dishwasher purchase I had to make. And it was, uh, you know, my, my old one failed on me and I went to Consumer Reports, which does a great job. Basically, they just gather a ton of data from mm-hmm. a bunch of people and then they provide rankings based on all this data they gather. And so it was clear to me <laughs> reading the Consumer Reports rankings that a Bosch dishwasher oh, yeah. was clearly the way to go because yeah. they rank like out of the top 20. I mean, They're like ten, the, 10 of the units are Bosch, basically. <laughs> like the top 10. Right. And so I was like, well, clearly this yeah. is what I'm going to go with. And so, um, yeah, once you have some of that data, once you are informed, you can make a better decision because if you're flying blind, you know, you might pick the worst dishwasher on the shelf and it might break in two or three years. Um, and so, yeah, to that end, we're going to define some terms real quick because uh, we, we try to avoid jargon on the show as much as possible, but it's going to be helpful to know just uh, a few things since they're going to come up quite a bit in this episode. And yeah, it can also be helpful to know some of these terms because we will most definitely experience all of these at some point during our investing lifetimes. So for example, if you don't know what a bear market is, then you might hear that term being thrown around And you might think it's the end of the world. You might be truly frightened or panicked (laughs) because you hear that term not knowing what it actually means. Or or you might hear someone say that the stock market is crashing, but in reality, what you're experiencing is just a correction. And so it might be other people misusing terms and knowing 
uh, what these terms actually mean is going to help you to filter out the noise from what's actually reality. Exactly. Yeah, it can help you to create your own narrative as to what is truly happening. And so, yeah, Joel, you mentioned corrections. So let's start with that. Uh, That'll be our first term. Uh, And this is when the market drops by at least 10%. That is a correction. Uh, Once it hits that down by 10% point, folks say that the market has entered into correction territory, that 10 to, you know, 19.9%, I guess. Uh, And so that's exactly what we experienced last month when the market dropped from highs uh, early in the month down to where it bottomed out around January 27th. And also, it's worth pointing out that this isn't like an officially recognized definition. It's what most folks are talking about. uh, But at the same time, it's not a term that's like etched in stone, (laughs) where somebody, I mean, just like you said, some folks might be using this term to describe something else. And so it's helpful to understand what most people are referring to when they say correction. uh, And it's helpful for you to understand what the market is actually going through. I think that's actually a really helpful term as well, right? Because when you, a correction seems like something small, but meaningful. And like, I have to correct my kids on things all the time. It doesn't mean they're bad kids, but they still need to be taught to be civilized humans. (laughs) So I have to correct them on little things here and there. Doesn't mean that they're beyond repair. Right, Uh, Exactly. It's a little bit of guidance, a little correction. That correction is part of, you know, helping them grow up into being better citizens. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, a correction is kind of one of those things where it's it's a helpful term to know because that 10% drop, it doesn't mean that stocks or your portfolio are getting slaughtered. It means that there's just this like minor thing that happened. And knowing that a correction is a 10% drop can help you kind of mentally frame what's happening. And I, I, let's talk about bear markets too, because there's not like a government agency that's defined exactly what constitutes mm-hmm. a bear market. But generally speaking, it's when the market sees a decline of at least 20% from recent highs. This is obviously a much larger drop. And so, of course, we see we see fewer of these. But in addition to the cold hard facts and the numbers that are associated with a bear market, oftentimes investors' sentiment is pretty low as well. You know, Naturally, if investors see their portfolio significantly drop, they're likely going to be bummed out. So a bear market can be a technical analysis, but it can also be used to describe how investors are are feeling, they're feeling lackadaisical. They're mm. feeling like their portfolio isn't Sluggish. doing so well. Yeah, it's, it's that overall investor sentiment. Yeah, and so yeah, it goes beyond just a, a correction. It's deeper than that. It's more significant than that. That affects not just the numbers on the screen you see when you log in to to check out your investment account, but it also affects uh, how people are feeling about the stock market too. Exactly. When you use it that way, it's more of a squishy term as opposed to a quantitative, very measurable term. Right. It's like <laughs> yeah. like how bad of the, is the bear market? It's like well. It's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not a very technical analysis. Which is which is why I think people get confused about the terms and because they are kind of confusing and, they, yeah. and there are a lot of people who misuse them. And so um, I think we just have to do our best to know what's happening. And so, yeah, it can be hard to, to see the headlines when they're not necessarily reflective of what's actually happening. Exactly. And obviously we're, we're going to do our best to make sure that we are going to continue to be consistent when we use these terms, not yeah. only you know during this episode, but just moving forward as well. Uh, and then, so you mentioned the bear market. Finally, we have stock market crashes. And again, there you know there's not a super specific threshold here uh, because some folks will use that term to describe the market just as it's quickly dropping, you know. They might say like, "Oh, the market is down double digits, it's crashing." Or it might be like a one-day crash. It was down 4%. It was <laughs> it's like, like it oh, crashed. No. Yeah. Uh, but from a again, from a technical point of view, we like to say that a market crash is when prices have dropped by at least 30%. So, we got 10 10% correction, 20% bear market, 30% the crash. 
And this might sound super scary. You know, it might keep some folks from investing. But again, let's get back to the data. In the past 100 years, the stock market has only experienced a crash of 30% or more during only 10% of all years. So relatively speaking, they're very rare. Although we did just, you know, most recently experience the Corona crash. And so attempting to avoid losing 30% of your money in a crash, that is going to be a bad reason to avoid investing in the stock market altogether. Especially to when you consider that half of the worst drawdowns that the market's experienced uh, over the past nearly 100 years. Half of them happened in the 30s uh, around the uh, the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and it's interesting too when you look at things are a lot different than they were that that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Our monetary system in modern society look a whole lot different than it did 100 years ago. But yeah, one other thing to note is that when when you have a 10 percent drawdown. After the run-up that we've seen, too, it, it shouldn't shock people <laughs> as as we've had essentially 13 years of an unadulterated bull run, which is another term I guess we, we could define, where the market has just continued to go up with, with very few hiccups. And so it's like if your favorite baseball player hits 400 for the first two months of the season, the likelihood that they're going to continue to that, if, they, if, if their final batting average is 360, it's like, they still had a great season, yeah, right? You, you shouldn't be bummed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's still some good batting. Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't watch much baseball. I know you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good slugging there, slugger. <laughs> well, no, like you're talking to a three-year-old. I think, well, like maybe two or three guys have hit 400 throughout a whole season. So it's like, almost non-existent. Yeah. But and those actually don't even count because of the roids. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> but some of those guys will actually will will hit 400 for a month or two and it definitely makes a lot of headlines, but it's almost impossible for it to stay that way for forever. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, let's talk about maybe the present realities of the stock market and what's happening right now. You're bound to hear at least someone say that it's different this time when we're in a volatile stretch. And some of those folks would encourage you to sell your stocks, would encourage you to convert to cash because of the coming apocalypse. We've talked about Robert Kiyosaki. He is one of those guys who he's written a best-selling book and he's given people a lot of good advice about money over the years. But on Twitter, he seems to always be predicting a market crash <laughs> and he has basically always been wrong. And so, yeah, we would fundamentally disagree with someone like him who is saying, like, get out because the crash is coming. This time it's different. And yeah, history doesn't necessarily repeat, but it does rhyme, as it said. And so we believe that nothing is ever truly all that different. And that's the same old story, man. Right. Yeah. And we've gone through, when you look at the history of the United States and the history of the stock market together, we've gone through world wars and now pandemics. And we have gone through just so many horrifying a world stage events. And at the same time, American capitalism continues to chug along. And so, yeah, in the moment, it can feel like everything's about to collapse. But staying the course is the thing to do, of course. And so, yeah, one thing worth mentioning is that inflation is one thing that we're battling right now. And some people would point to that as a new phenomenon. But uh, we would say that's not the case either. It's not that it's new. It's just it is, you know, at all time highs. The highest has been over the past 40 years, probably the highest has been since any of most of our listeners have been alive. Right. Yeah. Inflation is at something like 7% right now, where we've been used to seeing it between 1% and 2%. And although there are some people listening to this podcast who have been alive long enough that they remember the 70s and 80s where inflation was basically out of control. It was rampant. Uh, yeah. Like the average was 7%. Right. Like not just, you know, one <laughs> one marker of year, year over year at 7% where we hit it for the first time. Yeah. Literally, it was like the average over like a couple decades. We're experiencing like a blip in inflation, uh, especially <laughs> when you compare it to that. But for us, for, for many of us, for many of our listeners, this feels like something abnormal, something new. But it's important to remember that it's not and that this is something that we as a society have experienced before. 
Yeah, and the, the other thing, too, is just because inflation is up, that doesn't mean that we're not going to see good returns from the market in the coming years, right? So, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Ben Carlson, he loves his data. And he actually he crunched the numbers on inflation in relation to market returns. And there is no clear pattern. And so, the volatility that we're experiencing today in the market, it's likely not being caused by inflation. You know, the reason you know why this is happening, this, this volatility is something that gets talked about ad nauseum. Everyone's got to take, you know, whether it's the Fed raising rates, like that's why it is. <laughs> Everybody wants to sound smart and be like, "This is why stocks are suffering," or or maybe like some folks are like, "Oh, it's geopolitical, yeah. right? It's Russia, it's Ukraine." I mean, maybe like maybe that's the case, but the stock market is incredibly complex, and it's really hard for us to point to a single root cause for how it is that the market is reacting on any given day of the week. Okay, so what are we saying? We're I think we're basically telling you not to worry about volatility or inflation. From an investing standpoint. That's right. And there, there might be some listeners who are thinking, easy for you to say, you've got years, even <laughs> even decades to go before you have to start selling investments, which which is true, Matt. Like you it and I, true. we are in our late 30s, and, and hopefully we won't be tapping the, those uh, 401ks for uh, decades to come. But yeah, your, your timeline is an important thing, uh, an important part of this conversation. Right? And when you need to draw on funds, absolutely has an impact on your approach to a market downturn. And so when you're younger, as most of our listeners are, they are in their 20s and 30s, you should see the market plunging and immediately equate that to when your favorite store is having its annual sale. Like if you're in your twenties and thirties, you <laughs> should is, be buying more. This like, is good news. Loading up on those fifty percent off sneakers or sweaters or whatever it is. <laughs> and so basically, yeah, you knew you were gonna get some new sneakers uh, at some point this year. And if you hadn't already purchased them, it's like, all right, now's the time. Why not? Yeah. You get when the getting's good. Exactly. Make hay while the sun shines. Exactly. All those phrases. <laughs> <laughs> and so, of course, it's a it's a tougher pill to swallow if you're no longer in the wealth building phase of your life. But we'd say that's why the portfolio that you have, you need to be able to stomach these downturns. And especially if you are in your 50s and 60s, if you're getting closer to that age where you're going to start drawing on those retirement funds, your portfolio can and should reflect a real risk tolerance that you have. Most folks in the wealth preservation stage should not have 100% exposure to stocks because because it puts them at too much too much risk to their actual money, but also the emotional risk that comes alongside of that when you can see your portfolio in like literally one month drop by uh, six digits. Like that's a, a scary scenario when you're getting closer to the point where you're going to need that money. So you have to be careful and make sure that how you're invested reflects your specific situation. Yeah, although you could easily argue that the best way to preserve your money is by growing it. Right, like the the best defense is a is a good offense. That's another sports reference. That uh, is, yes. Is well, that baseball as well? Well, I think that's true. But like, <laughs> let's say you're you're retiring next month, and you're you, you know you, you need to make sure that your portfolio could withstand what we just called a bear market. Right? If if the stocks went down twenty percent. You probably don't want your portfolio going down 20%. Yeah. And so you need to be more conservatively invested to make sure that you can handle just an 8% correction or something like that sure. instead of that full on 20% correction that folks like you and I are willing to experience. Exactly. And this is where psychology and our behavior is so much more important than understanding the fundamentals uh, of how to invest. And so let's let's talk about why we should be optimistic about the stock market. Uh, Tyler Cowen, he had a great article about why American 
pessimism, how, you know, why it doesn't extend to short selling the market. Uh, and basically, he argued that if, you know, you've got a pessimistic viewpoint, if that was your actual long term point of view, you would likely be making some drastic moves right now, like selling off most or all of your stock portfolio or maybe just like holding short positions in the market in order to make money since decline is inevitable in those pessimists opinion, right? But the thing is, is that those pessimists, they rarely go to that extreme. Uh, the best line from that article was that uh, apparently selling previously acquired assets involves too much work, even with a pending apocalypse, <laughs> which is, I mean, it is so true because if there truly is a pending apocalypse, you do the work. You take right. the steps necessary to basically reinforce what it is that you are saying. But the fact is, there's a lot of people saying that, but they don't truly believe it. That's right. You sell out of stocks and then you go to Costco and you buy one of those like... You buy a prefab bunker. 5,000 no. <laughs> day food supplies, uh, you know, like and you hunker down. Exactly. If like, you really believe that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who will tweet pessimistic thoughts that will write pessimistic headlines. But when it comes to how they handle their money, they're, 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 they're not still, changing very much. They're still investing. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not that pessimism is never warranted, but it just won't take you that far when it comes to your investing journey. You need to stay in the market. Yeah. It makes me think of literally one of maybe my all time favorite money quote from Morgan Housel. He said, save like a pessimist, invest like an optimist. And I think mm-hmm. that is always true because you should have cash on hand, right? That's what your emergency fund. And then on top of that, your the money that's in your savings account is supposed to do. It's supposed to help you get through those times that you couldn't have planned. Uh, times where you do lose a job or a transmission goes out on your car. Investing though, like y- you should pay less attention to the headlines. You should invest like an optimist and you should continue doing so because ultimately that is what's going to make you wealthy. That's right. And so yeah, there, there's this Jack Bogle quote, Matt, that's worth sharing here too. We got a, a lot of quotes this <laughs> for this episode. Yes, we do. And he said, uh, Jack Bogle, obviously, he's the, the founder of Vanguard, which is a low-cost brokerage firm who we think are are wonderful. And we encourage people to look to Vanguard as one of the places where they might invest their money. He said, the stock market is a giant distraction to the business of investing. And <laughs> Which sounds like a paradox, <laughs> right? Because obviously, the market is incredibly necessary in order to invest. Like, it literally, it's called a stock market. It's, it's a market that you go to where you invest in stocks. It's yep. like going to a meat market. You want to buy meat? You go to the market. You, you want to buy stocks and invest? You go to the stock market. But yeah, obviously, he's talking about the volatility that can so often distract us from our ultimate goals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where, where we just get too beholden to what the price is on a given day or the percentage drawdown in a, a specific week. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that like that is the stuff that is going to prevent you from being able to actually take advantage of the wealth building mechanism that is the stock market. Yeah. It's just it's just too easy to get pessimistic when stocks are falling to see all the the negative potential that the upcoming weeks and months could hold that a war between Russia and Ukraine and then the US getting involved could potentially present but we have experienced worse in you know in our in our history in the history of the world and in the history of our country and so yeah let's let's take that pessimism with a, a, do, a grain of salt um, and so yeah really you should be looking more towards future potential for those dollars to grow not kind of what's been happening in the past month mm-hmm. or even the past year or two. And so, yeah, if you're casting your gaze decades down the road, it's going to help you develop real optimism in the present as opposed to taking on the identity of all the pessimistic voices that are kind of predominant uh, these days. All right. So we've covered a lot when it comes to like definitions, when it comes to kind of how you should think about staying the course, the mindset. Yeah. But but there's there's more we have to get to, Matt, so that, that How Do Money listeners 
can be successful investors, not just now, but well into the future. Some guidelines, some pieces of advice that they should cling to uh, in order to continue building wealth. And we'll get to our thoughts on that right after this break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it. Minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we are back from the break. And, you know, we kind of broke this up into what's happened in the past, what we're experiencing right now. It is now time to talk about the future. Um, <laughs> in the year 2000. <laughs> Makes me think about that old Conan O'Brien skit. And now it's 2022. <laughs> we're the flying cars, man. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about now. Like, what do you do now? Like, where do we go from here? Staying the course, we believe that that is the best option, uh, and it's not even close. Uh, there are, of course, going to be some folks who are nearing retirement, like we said earlier, who would benefit from taking some money out of stocks and having a less risky portfolio overall. But that shouldn't be in reaction to what the market is currently doing. It should be in reaction to the reality that you're just getting older, <laughs> right? It's this inevitable process that we all go through, uh, and you are drawing closer to retirement. Uh, and so for you, then maybe rebalancing uh, and coming up with a different plan is what you need to do, but it's not because of what you are currently experiencing with the market. And so for virtually everyone else, sticking to your current strategy, even in the midst of market corrections, uh, bear markets, or even crashes, that is the right path to take from here. That's right, Matt. Yeah, one one helpful article from CNN Business, I, I really appreciated the headline <laughs> this past week. They literally encourage folks to forget their 401k password. And I was like, that's really good advice because there's probably a lot of people logging in there right now. That's funny. They see a bunch of red on the screen, how much money they are down in the past in the past weeks or month, and they're wanting to do something. And so maybe not logging in is actually the best thing for you, your psyche, but then also the best thing for your investments. And so, yeah, we would suggest that that's accurate. Uh, don't log in and look at the numbers. And uh, Matt, it kind of reminded me of this fabled fidelity study that didn't actually happen, which supposedly found that people who had the best investment performance were dead. Yeah. Uh, did you ever hear about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But apparently it's not actually it's not like true. A, it was not a real study. Yeah. Even if you could run a study like that, which I, I mean, how many dead people are there where their accounts are still growing, where probate hasn't kicked in and, yeah, right. <laughs> and government hasn't swooped in or whatever. But like, even though it's a fictitious study, like if you take the facts and run a study like that, like a hypothetical, it's still true. Exactly. Which is just kind of fascinating to see yeah. that, uh, you know, not making changes in times of turmoil is of course easier if you don't have a pulse, right? If you're dead, because you're not uh, susceptible <laughs> to the whims of the market or the headline writers. But I think it's you know a good thing for us to remember that when we are experiencing bouts of volatility, it's best to kind of think like a dead person, really. Maybe that should be our new slogan, invest like you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like weekend, bur- weekend of Bernie's, right? <laughs> Prop yourself up. Party like you're dead. Uh, one other thing to mention here, too, is the great thing is that most How to Money listeners are probably going with the dollar cost averaging approach to investing. And that's when you're putting money in regularly, you know, often like every two weeks whenever you get paid. The excellent thing about this is when these dips do happen, you are buying stocks at a discount without even having to think about it, right? It's automatic. And sure, right? Your portfolio is taking a bit of a hit. But since you're buying more stocks while 
prices are depressed, it creates more of a benefit for you over the long run. That's dollar cost averaging. However, if you find yourself in a situation where you have a lump sum to invest, uh, we wanted to mention that the data shows that it makes most sense to invest that money as soon as possible because on average, the market grows more often than it shrinks. And so just keep that in mind. If you are dollar cost averaging as the market tanks, you're getting a deal. But if that's not you, if you do happen to have a chunk of cash sitting around, don't overthink it. Invest that money as soon as possible. Uh, time in the market always is going to be timing the market. Yes. Yes, it will. That's a classic old phrase. I don't know who said it, but I don't know either. It's but pretty true. I like it. Yeah. And uh, the weird thing, Matt, is that for some reason, when the, the, the stock market seems to be the only place where people run for the exit when the sale starts. When Amazon Prime Day comes along, everybody should be shopping on Amazon. Nobody's freaking out. No, everybody's loving it. And let's say no one's saying, "Oh, the value of my air air fryer just went down in price <laughs> in value." Exactly. You're not thinking about it from that standpoint. No, they're like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get three air fryers because they're cheaper than they ever were, and I'm gonna start uh, stocking up for Christmas gifts." <laughs> <laughs> air fryers for everyone. And but it's interesting how the exact opposite thing happens in the stock market. And and so yeah, the, the crucial thing to remember is that you, you you don't actually lose money unless you sell. It's just numbers going down on a screen until you turn the abstract into reality. Mm-hmm. So when you're faced with a correction or a crash, don't lock in those losses by selling at the exact wrong time to sell. And at the same time, don't assume that it's a bad time to buy as things are going down. But think of it just like Amazon Prime Day, but for your investing future, uh, for the future of your stock holdings, of, of your ultimate wealth building goals. Future you is who you want to keep in mind when it comes <laughs> when the market's tanking. Yeah, buy those stocks on sale for and, real. Yeah. And the thing is, you don't get big gains without volatility, right? Like if you like certainty, just stick to uh, savings accounts, CDs. Those have obviously not been kind to your dollars recently, but there's a real purpose behind having savings on hand, uh, but you've ultimately got to take risks if you want to earn returns on your money. Yeah. And I think one more important thing really worth mentioning is some people might need help. Some people might feel like they can't go it alone or might feel too um, disheartened by stock market corrections where they feel like they have to take a move because it's a frightening scenario. And yeah, if, if you're finding Hopefully it, you don't feel that way because you're listening to this episode right now. Exactly. <laughs> We're kind of trying to be your coaches yes. via like a yep. podcast. But if you feel like you need an actual human being like that a, can like... A personal trainer. Yeah. Where they can actually like look at you in the eye and talk to you about you know, how you're feeling. Well, that, that person would be a financial advisor. And that can make sense for some people, Matt, who, you know, financial advisors aren't cheap, but they're definitely cheaper than selling at the wrong time, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, if you know yourself and you've toyed with the idea of selling, let's say, in the midst of recent volatility, hiring someone who can help you develop and stick to a plan can be well worth the cost. XY Planning Network is one of our favorite places for folks to start if they feel like they absolutely need an advisor on their side and they can't go it alone. We think you can invest without the help of someone else in order to build wealth for your future. But if you are getting nervous and you don't think you can, well, then that might be the time where you need to hire someone who can come alongside you and help ensure that you stay the course. And that person is, in all likelihood, going to be a financial planner or even somebody like an accredited financial coach. That's right. You might know yourself really well and know that someone like that guiding you through some turbulent times would be completely worth it. That's right. It's like uh, hiring a Sherpa. You might not need one. Uh, You might be able to get there on your own, but 
you might also find that you in particular, that's something you need. Yeah. Plus, it probably doesn't hurt. You know, it's nice having some company. <laughs> <laughs> On the road. <laughs> On the path up uh, Mount Everest. But, you know, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like discipline, the ability to endure risk, these are the things that you'll need to develop as an investor. Because uh, the stock market, it doesn't always go up. Uh, it's not just a, a high yield savings account that pays, you know, like 100 times more than what your bank is paying. That's, that's what people started to feel like, though, over <laughs> yes. the last like 10, 12 years. Yeah. And it's understandable, too, because like a lot of young professionals who started investing in 2010 or later, uh, they've only, for the most part, seen the market just on the rise. But it is important to know that corrections occur regularly, aside from you know the, the novel global pandemic that we experienced back in 2020 that took the markets down. But bear markets, uh, even crashes, they're going to pop up every now and then. But if you know your risk tolerance, if you know your timeline, you don't have to spend much time or energy thinking about it. Yeah, again, going back to corrections, bear markets, they're going to happen regularly. They're going to happen enough to where you shouldn't freak out when 95 when and 60 something percent of the time. Yeah, 63% of the time, right? <laughs> it's so gonna happen. if you know that those things are headed our way um, and that they're inevitable, I think it's going to help bolster you to continue to make the right decisions even when tough times come along. And the cool thing is when those tough times come along, you're able to continue buying more in, and in fact, enhancing your ability to grow your wealth for your future. So that's actually the best way, I think, to think about these these corrections is to steal your resolve and then also continue doing what you were doing. Continue buying more but because it's only going to put you in a better financial position in the future. All right, Matt, that's good. I gonna, love it. Uh, let's get back to the beer that we had for this episode. Which I also love. Yeah, this one was really <laughs> I good. I love investing and I love the, what is this called? Doing good? A force for good. A force for good. Yeah, which is a great name for a beer. And this one came from two breweries that you and I really like. Uh, Creature Comforts and Sierra Nevada. This was an Imperial Brown Ale. What were your What were your thoughts on this one? Well, I will tell you, but first I wanted to mention, so the, yeah, this is a collaboration uh, and it's called A Force for Good because 100% of the profits from this beer go towards charities there in Athens, Georgia. And so it's always nice to come across a beer that also has a good mission. But yeah, so this is a rum barrel aged beer with Amburana wood, which I believe I remember reading was a Brazilian wood. Oh, nice. Uh, it's first aged in Jamaican rum barrels, which obviously you can totally smell. <laughs> as soon as we poured this beer, it smelled like we were, I mean, it smelled like we had a, like a little snifter of Jamaican rum. At least it, it did for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, incredibly strong from that standpoint. It definitely picked up a lot of those rum characteristics, but then aged on whatever exotic wood this is from Brazil. But it gave it this incredibly rich depth this complex flavor profile for a style of beer that we don't often have here on the show, Joel. This is an Imperial Brown. And so it has a lot of those dark qualities that you get out of a stout, but with some nuance, right? Like kind of like a, I almost picture like a brown oatmeal cookie with raisins <laughs> as opposed to kind of like dark chocolate and roasted coffee, which is yeah. typically what you get with like a Russian Imperial. Uh, but it's a nice way to incorporate some of those flavors uh, without completely going off the deep end when it comes to kind of the roasty toastiness. Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think it had a lot of like rum sweetness going on too, it, right? It was, and which I know you're not a huge fan of. No, I like, I like rum and I don't mind some sweetness. And, and honestly, like I love a good brown ale, but there aren't many great ones being made. There just aren't many brown ales out there in general. Needs to happen more. I feel like brown ales were like probably uh, you know one of the absolute first craft beer styles that I got into. And now with IPAs being all the rage, it's it's, one, it, it, they don't make. Kinda, nobody makes them. They've kind of taken over. Did you ever drink? I think it was called Turbo Dog uh, by Abita. 
I'm sure I did. That was like a beer back in the day. I mean, they probably still do, but they have like Purple Haze and some of these yeah. other beers. But Turbo Dog was a beer. when I Once I graduated college, I was living with a buddy of mine up in North Carolina in the woods. Uh, that was a beer that I found myself gravitating towards. Uh, and that's when I discovered shower beers. And so I would have a <laughs> I would have a nice Turbo Dog there up in the mountains of North Carolina with snow on the ground outside. And we would crack open the window to our... our sh- There's an actual window in our shower and you could open it up and literally see the, the snow falling. I'm in a hot shower and I've got my cold beer. It's kind of like the perfect the perfect mix. It's like the simple pleasures in life <laughs> right there, man. <laughs> Everybody needs a good shower beer every now and then. Yeah. Well, I, I, would, I would say I think this one was a truly great beer from two great breweries. Yeah. And I'm so glad to have a, another brown ale because, it, yeah, it's like a blast from the past, but this is like way, way better than the brown ales I was drinking when I was like, I don't know, like 10 years ago. So <laughs> The brown ales we used to drink were like, you know, they, they got their high school diploma. This brown ale's got like its PhD. (laughs) It's a whole nother level. Exactly. Yep. But huge thanks to friend of the show, Nathan, for picking up uh, some of these and sending them our way. Thank you. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for today's episode. For listeners who want more information about this episode and just kind of more information about what we're up to here at How to Money, you can check out our website at howtomoney.com. That's right, man. And that's going to be it. So until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.